Hello, and thank you for listening to the Hope Relentless Marriage Podcast, where we talk about all things marriage. We're honored to spend some time with you and well done on investing in your relationship. It matters. Our goal is to encourage and equip you in your incredible adventure of marriage, whether you're in a low place or a high place. This is for us, those courageous enough to believe we can actually change the world, one marriage at a time, starting with our own. Please connect with us on our website, hoperelentless.com. And remember, there's always, always hope. Hello, Chad and Sarah Gale here with the Hope Relentless Marriage Podcast, and we are honored that you are tuning in to listen, and we are just wanting to encourage you in the fact that you are tuning in to listen because you're making a difference when you are focusing in on your relationship and your marriage. It impacts your family, and then families impact communities, and then communities impact the world. And so it's a ripple effect, a very powerful ripple effect. So well done. Congratulations on doing what you can do to grow your marriage and so impact the world. Yeah, it's so awesome. I think about all these little moments, whether it's a podcast, a book, a date night, that they're mm -hmm. like little dominoes that just have this ripple effect in our marriage. And in the moment, we might not know how significant something is, but the constantly showing up for our marriage is so powerful. And in the long term, it, it drastically changes the environment, the hope, the enjoyment of our marriage. So just want to say awesome job showing up, tuning in. Last mm -hmm. week, we talked about boundaries with the opposite sex. Uh, Sarah, again, I talked a little bit that we kind of have some maybe strict or clearer boundaries than a lot of people. Uh, we talked a little bit about why. Today, we're going to talk about boundaries in communication. So this idea of protecting yourself during communication. And this kind of goes back to a little bit, a different podcast where we talked about foundations. And part of the foundation of marriage is recognizing that there are times where what I want and going after it will have a negative impact on the marriage. So this idea of valuing and protecting the union of marriage, Sarah Gales and I's relationship is something for me to fight for, something for her to fight for. And so boundaries isn't just about protecting myself or just about protecting Sarah Gale. It's about protecting and creating an environment where our marriage can continue to th thrive, continue to grow, uh, and in different difficult seasons, be protected. Yeah, that's that's really good because I do think there is a negative connotation when we think of boundaries and it seems just restrictive, restrictive, restrictive. <laughs> yeah. And like what you're saying, Chad, I think it is important to just recognize that when it comes to communication and especially conflict, when, when we're approaching each other with conflict in communication, that there is an understanding or an agreement, clarity, however you want to call it, boundary to what we will allow, what we will say and how we want to say it. And so it's just one of those things where we're never going to be perfect but we at least want to have an idea of in the best case scenario, this is how it goes down. This is when we are both at our best. This is when we're not. And so let's just talk about it before we get into the conflict or the disagreement argument. Let's talk about some ways of, uh, of getting on the same page so that those conversations can actually have a chance at being fruitful and productive. Yeah. I mean, because I think, you know, we get in disagreements all the time. Rarely do I walk into the room going, ha, ha, I'm going to get in a fight with my wife and I'm going to win, right? Rarely do we have like those types of intentions. 
And, you know, as parents with now two teenage boys, you and I can be in one room and we can hear and recognize the tone, the body language, the responsiveness of them. And we mm -hmm. can tell that like, they're going to get in a fight. It's just a matter of, of time <laughs> based on the way they're interacting. And yeah. we always sit there and we go, do they not notice? Uh, and we try and help them identify boundaries. But oftentimes this is easier to recognize in other relationships. And so it's going to take practice to identify what boundaries might make sense in your own relationship and then develop the skill of going, uh-oh, we went past the guardrails, right? As we can hear our sons get more and more frustrated, uh, they're, they're still learning what that sounds like. And so mm -hmm. there's going to be this dynamic in our marriages where we might create boundaries. And then as we either run by them and just completely ignore them, we realize, yep, the, that boundary is something I need to pay more attention to. Or as we get down, um, down the path of boundaries, we might realize, you know, I thought this was important to me, but now I'm realizing it's, it's not as important to me. Mm -hmm. But I think it's important to keep that perspective of the boundaries are for the marriage, to protect and create an environment for the marriage to thrive. And so what, what are some of the boundaries that we have when it comes to communication and why, why do we have them? What are some of the ones for you? Yeah. Well, sorry, before I go into that, I did want to actually, I want to, I want to kind of tag on there that there's this idea or this thought that we should just be able to say what we want to say, when we want to say it, how we want to say it, because we feel it. And I just think that when we have that expectation of, you know, even that's what a mature marriage is, it, it's like with anything, even the boundaries, the opposite sex, a mature marriage doesn't need to have boundaries. A mature marriage doesn't need to be intentional. It just happens, right? Like you just are happily married. <laughs> I think this is what creates a lot of frustration and a lot of marriages that are not going well, because it's this idea or this mentality that we should just, it should just work. When in reality, conversation, communication is two people that are oftentimes different, come from completely different backgrounds oftentimes. Yeah. And it's it requires some grace, some tact, some care. And so I think it will will do a lot better in our communication if we approach the conversation knowing, hey, you know what? I I'm gonna be patient and I'm gonna listen more than I'm aiming to speak, and I'm going to to recognize that this person is different from me, has thoughts, feelings, goals, et cetera, just like me. And so we both are going to be able to communicate and, and, and speak in a way that we both can hear, both can receive. Yeah. I like that idea, babe, of you kind of debunking the myth of good communication should just be natural. It's like, no, yeah. good communication is a skill that is learned, that is practiced, <laughs> And it's something that we're going to fall short of at times, but it doesn't change the target, right? Yeah. I think about yeah. in the car, I get in the car every day and every day I put my seatbelt on. Now, thankfully, my, I've never been in a situation where my seatbelt has saved my life, but mm -hmm. I don't wait until that moment to try and find the seatbelt and put it on. It's a preventative. It's something that I just do that now has become a habit. It would take more energy for me not to put on a seatbelt because I just get in and I put the seatbelt on. And so boundaries and communication 
in our relationship is kind of like that. As we practice it more, we're not even going to notice, but there's going to be these boundaries, these guardrails in our communication and in our marriage that automatically keep us safe when things get difficult or discouraging or frustrating. And so that's why they're so important in the mm -hmm. middle of a car accident is not the time to look for my seatbelt in the middle of an argument is not the time to go, wait, let's establish some boundaries. Like the blood's flowing, we're too heated, we're too frustrated. And like, you know, so that's why it's important to do this ahead of time. All right, so back to your initial question for me, as far as some of the things that we do that we have found helpful in our marriage, I would say to start would be the who. And what I mean by the who is, who is invited to give us feedback, if anyone? And so it's this, it's, um, I think of it as a rookie mistake, which is no judgment at all, but a rookie mistake, something that I think that we would have even done early in our, in our relationship, even before marriage would be to talk to our friends about our relationship. And I would go to my college roommates. I'd be like, oh, you know what he did? Or can you believe this or whatever? But then realizing, okay, wait a second. They're not in a relationship. <laughs> They've never been married. And actually they're going to see him tomorrow night when they probably are going to bring up what exactly what I told them in confidence to him. And so it's going to create a very uncomfortable situation and then you learn the hard way. Right. And so the who just means who are you guys willing to, to invite into your conversation or into marriage disputes or conflicts, if anyone. And so for us, it's important that we are in agreement with who the who is. And so if I have a friend, Sally, I don't know, Sally's like my token name I use on these things, Sally. <laughs> if, I, if I have a friend, Sally, and I'm like, you know, I really would love to be able to talk to her about some, some things regarding marriage. And if Chad is like, oh man, I, I don't really, I don't, I don't feel comfortable with Sally knowing any of our business then that's something I have to respect and acknowledge because that's not going to be someone that helps bring strength to the marriage. Yeah. And I think it's important in the, in the who I have different people that come to mind. If I just want to complain about you, mm -hmm. right. If I just want to complain and, and oh, gather, what a, what's that? <laughs> I was like, who are they? What are their names? I'm keeping that close to the, you know, I'm, I'm um, <laughs> But if I just want to complain, like that's a particular audience that I would think of. But if I'm looking for encouragement, if I'm looking for wisdom, if I'm looking for support, there's a high possibility that that's a totally different group. And so I think you kind of bring up just that idea of, you know, we probably shouldn't have people that we go to that we're just complaining about our spouse or being critical about our spouse. One is they're going to interact with our spouse creates an awkward dynamic. Two, oftentimes, hopefully, these situations are resolved, but rarely do we go back to the people that we complained about our spouse to and give them the details of how we resolved it. And so mm -hmm. they're kind of out there left thinking that they're defending us or protecting us, and they're holding this animosity towards our spouse. Meanwhile, we've resolved and we're kind of moving on as a happy couple, but, you know, back when we're dating, like your roommates, like, man, that guy's this or that, or, you know, if you're married and now it's at work, you're complaining that colleague, that maybe parent, that sibling, whoever it is, you know, it's important that, uh, you know, that's one of the challenges of just complaining as opposed to, 
I think also we should establish who are the people that we go to for counsel. These are people that we want the other person to know, and we want the other person to have a level of trust and respect that's mutual. Because ideally, we do want people in our life, wise counsel that we can go to and say, hey, we're having a hard time. Um, I want to share this with you, not to complain, but to learn and to grow and to better understand how do we repair from this moment and what can we do to potentially prevent these difficult moments in the future. But those should be people that are agreed upon. Right. And people that are for both of us. It's like they need to recognize that the marriage is a priority in that moment and their friendship to one of us individually is not. So it's using some discretion when we think about, okay, who are some people that could actually help us? Because like Chad said, it's not about who are the people I can complain and vent to. It's the people who are can bring, who are the people who can bring strength to the relationship. Are they for the marriage above us individually? And does my, is my spouse comfortable with that person? And so we should both know as part of the marriage, you should know who your spouse talks to about your marriage. If anyone, some couples, they don't want to talk, they don't want to open up their marriage to anyone. Like they don't want anyone to speak in to their marriage. And so that's, that's your, that's your choice. You know, and that's something you want to be in agreement on. Um, but there is wisdom in counsel. It's just the right counsel is, is crucial. Yeah, it's, it's so important. So that's one of the boundaries. Who, who do we talk to about our marriage? Another one that is more within the house is where, if there's going to be conflict, if there's going to be challenges, if there's going to be disagreement, um, what is the where? Where are we in agreement that we can have these types of conversations? If we get into disagreement in public, are we in agreement that we can work through it there? Or uh, if we're at the house, are there particular spaces? You know, some people don't like to have arguments in their bedroom because they want their bedroom to be a protected sanctuary, a safe space of rest, of intimacy, of enjoyment. Uh, but there's this dynamic of where. I mean, imagine getting in a fight out in public. If one person is stringent about, we're not going to talk about this here. And the other person just keeps pushing, keeps pushing, keeps pushing. Now there's two arguments, right? We're now essentially arguing with each other over the where plus whatever initiated um, that disagreement or conflict to begin with. So the where is kind of important. What are your thoughts around the where? Yeah. So when it comes to the where, I think that it's, it's really whatever you, wherever you are your best, you know, in the sense of where can I actually have a focused conversation where I can feel present and I can feel attentive. And so for us, our boys play a lot of soccer and at the soccer game, things could come up because we're just on the sideline every single game. But the, the thing is, and the discipline part of it is that we need to be disciplined. Chad and I are disciplined not to engage in a conversation, even if something comes up, because we know that we don't want to air uh, our conversation out into 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 the public soccer you know arena and we also know that we're not going to be attentive because as soon as the game starts like if it's halftime the, the game starts again and we're all of a sudden not interested in the conversation we're interested in the game so the where would be something that you feel like you could you could be successful in so a place that you feel like you could have a, a genuine conversation in yeah i like that idea of the where should be driven by where can we be our best? This kind of gets back to this idea of if I get, when I get caught up in the moment, 
um, of my own. I want to talk about this because I want this resolved right now. Or, mm-hmm. you know, for me, it's I, I fall into these dynamics of there is a right and a wrong on an idea, on a situation, on an opinion, on a, whatever it is. And obviously, I usually start out thinking I am right. And so I want to establish that somebody is wrong. And if that's a conversation with you, then obviously I'm not entering that conversation in a healthy manner. And so I mm-hmm. love that idea of the where should be driven by where are we our best? Where do we minimize distractions? Where can we keep the priority, the priority? And that's one of the things that boundaries helps us with. It keeps the priority, the important things as the important things. There's so much in our day that becomes urgent and it's easy without any boundaries for the urgent to feel like it's important. It's urgent for me to get this resolved. It's urgent mm-hmm. for me to share my thoughts. It's urgent for me to 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 tell you uh, what happened. But is it important? Does it mm-hmm. serve and protect and help the marriage and the relationship thrive? And so the where should support that. So that's why public can be challenging. If we enter these new variables that we have to navigate on top of the conversation of, can other people hear us? Are we okay that they can hear us? What are we talking about? Are there interruptions? You know, that's like a dynamic of the soccer game, right? There's going to be interruptions. The game's happening. You're, you're amongst usually other players, parents, and families. And so there's these other variables that don't support the health of the conversation. And so the where was probably a place that is um, limited interruptions where both people feel safe and comfortable. Uh, those are kind of some of my thoughts on the where. Do you have any other thoughts on the where? No, I think that that about covers it. And it it brings me into kind of the when, the timing of it, because you were even saying, you know, sometimes that urgency that we feel as far as, hey, this needs to happen now because we it, we're thinking about it. And that's something very common in couples that we counsel is this timing dynamic is significant because someone will come home from work and then, you know, the person at home has been waiting and they're, they just, you know, start talking. And the person that comes home was like, oh, I just want to decompress a bit. I don't, I don't even have the energy. And to, so then they respond in a certain way that is not their best. And not we're not talking about perfection or anything, but what we are talking about is, you know, when you are more patient and when you can be more attentive and present in a moment. And so that's what we're trying to look for. That's the sweet spot of conversation, because especially when we're talking about things that are potentially full of conflict, we we don't want to be overly tired. We don't want to be uh, in a place that we don't feel like we can have the conversation because we need to be all in and focused in on what's going on, because the emotion that comes from conflict is already going to be there. So we want to make sure we set ourselves up in the best case scenario. So the timing, when is the best time typically for conversations to happen? Is it after work? Is it before you go to work? And, you know, is it when right before you go to sleep? So that's very significant. And so Chad, I don't know if you want to tell, tell them about kind of early on in our marriage when the sleeping thing <laughs> was just a big, a big issue with me wanting to have conversations and you're trying to get your precious beauty sleep. Yeah. I need sleep to look this good. You know, it's, it's, uh, um, early in our marriage as in still now. So my sleep, um, 
I like my sleep. My sleep is like a cornerstone habit or foundation or part of my, my structure that helps me feel full of energy, vibrant, thoughtful. Um, and you know, when I miss or, or get sh not as much sleep as I would like multiple nights in a row, I become angry. I become cranky. I become rude, short, all of that stuff. So sleep is important to me. And early on in our marriage, I would go to bed. It'd be like bedtime and I'd be like half asleep. And then Sergio would start a conversation, but then it would become like this con like conversation, like full on dialogue. And so that for me is a boundary. There's a time where, Hey, post bedtime, if it's longer than a couple minute conversation and we're not in agreement, like this isn't the time to have this because A, I'm tired. So I'm not showing up as the best version of myself. But B, if the conversation goes longer, I start to resent it because I'm looking at my watch or I'm looking at my phone and I see yeah. that it's even further and further past bedtime. And so I am no longer in the conversation to see the conversation end well. I'm in the conversation to end the conversation. And so obviously mm -hmm. if it's an important topic or an area where there's been tension, that once again, that's not the environment that supports the marriage and the conversation having an outcome that it deserves. And so that's something for me late at night for me as a boundary, it's not for Sarah Gale, but that's something our marriage together, we have to work together on that and be in agreement in that area. Yeah. And this was really hard for me. And you're right. It, it still is a bit hard for me because I'm so different. For example, we stayed up and watched the U.S. Women's World Cup and they were playing. They were playing at 12 o'clock. And so we stayed up and I'm like, all right, we're turning up. Let's go. And Chad had to take a nap before to be ready for it. And then afterwards, uh, I guess the following morning, he, he was like a little groggy and I'm following morning. I'm up ready to go. Like the lack of sleep didn't impact me in that same way. And so at night, I'm just feeling extra, just loving and just like, hey, you know, we're winding down. Now I can actually talk. And so I started to think more that it was, why do you get to say we can't have a conversation? I want to have a conversation. And it became this kind of tug of war, if you will. But at the end of the day, I had to decide, do I want to have a conversation with him when he says he does not want to have a conversation? And when he says he is actually a little bit shorter at those moments and he wants to end the conversation at those moments, like, am I, is that the conversation I want to have? And the reality is, no, that's not the conversation I want to have. I want to have a conversation with him when he's at what he is articulating as his best. And so it was just a, an act of just dying to myself or however you want to say it and just recognizing the marriage is more important than what I wanted for myself in that moment. And so I think it's important to just constantly revisit the purpose of the boundaries is to protect the marriage. It's to give conversations and difficult conversations the best chance to be successful. I mean, you know, you think about an NFL team. Could you imagine if one NFL team has plays and everybody knows what the plays and the positions and the roles, and then another team doesn't have plays, they just throw players out there and hope for the best without boundaries? Like that's what we're doing in our marriage. We're just 
hoping for the best. We're just winging it. And the reality is that doesn't position us to strengthen our marriage and have difficult conversations. The other thing, boundaries are not an excuse to just avoid difficult conversations. And maybe we can kind of end with that idea. Boundaries create clarity on when they happen, where they happen, how they happen, but they are not about avoiding them. That is not the purpose of boundaries. Any thoughts on that, babe, as we wrap up this particular conversation on boundaries? That's really good because I was like, where is he going with this? And the visual I got is just a wall. You know, boundaries doesn't mean you just are like, I don't want to talk about it. And I put up a wall because this is my boundary. And this is what we talk about a lot in culture. You know, we have these, these firm boundaries and taken out of context. It's, it's like what you said, it's shutting down conversation and it's making it so there's, there's not that openness in the relationship. But I wanted to comment on your NFL illustration and where I thought you were going with it was if you're an NFL team, for example, and you know all the plays, like you have these plays, but then your players aren't doing the plays, what are they doing? Getting fired, <laughs> getting cut. <laughs> Right. And, and in a marriage, it's like getting in a fight <laughs> because it's, it's like, if you told me this is when you operate your best, it's like, okay, that's the play. So let me run the play because I want, I want us both to be operating in our best. So there's more to this and we don't want to continue, continue on and have you on here for the next hour. So we're going to break it up. And next week we'll finish this conversation out as far as boundaries, when it comes to our communication in conflict, especially. And so boundaries are, are clarity is what I want to reiterate. And uh, I'll, go as, I'll go ahead and close this out unless you have something else to add, Chad. Well, I think just some practical action steps that couples can take is for them to solidify who. Who are the people that they are both in agreement they can invite into difficult conversations, right? Who can they get counsel from? The next one would be the where. Where are they both comfortable um, having these types of conversations? And then the third one that we touched on was the when. And so I think if they were to begin having conversations around those three things, those would be practical action steps that would support them as they begin to put some of these boundaries in place. Awesome. And that's great. <laughs> the, the recap there and the action steps. And so with the win, I wanted to finish that one out because a lot of times couples will decide that they want to come back to a problem or a challenge and so, or a conversation that is. And I think that that's okay as long as there is a time that you will revisit it. So if I am upset and I'm just, you know, emotionally overdrawn and I'm having a conversation with Chad and I'm like, Hey, you know what? Like now is not a good time for me. Like, I don't even know what I think about what we're talking about. I'm, I'm out, I'm out of control emotionally. And I say, now is not a good time. Then, then what I want to say is, but in two hours, I think I will have calmed down and I would like to talk in two hours or, but tonight after dinner, I would like to revisit it. That that's okay because we know we're going to revisit it. Chad knows we're going to revisit it because sometimes we get into these cycles where we say, Hey, you know, I don't want to talk about this right now. And then we don't ever talk about it. And so that sends a message to the spouse that keeps getting told, I don't want to talk about it. And so then there, we never get to talk about what they want to talk about. So I just yeah, wanted to add good. that. Okay. 
All right. Well, we will continue this next week. Hopefully you got some things you can implement now. And again, thank you for listening. It is an honor that you would tune in and use your time to build your marriage. And remember, there's always, always hope.